This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. To another episode of the Doc and Jock Wrestling Podcast. This is episode 65. 65 of these bad boys. On today's show, we've got some information on Chris Jericho's deal with AEW. Also, WWE has signed a new talent from Impact. We're going to discuss that. And we've got some injury updates, as well as we're going to review Raw and SmackDown. Doing it with me, as always, is the one, the only, the venerable John the Doc Macaroon. What's up, cuz? Oh, cuz, I watched all of Raw, all of SmackDown. I'm in the Twitter debates regarding AEW. What a time to kick off 2019. Oh, my God, I can't wait to talk about uh, Raw, SmackDown, AEW, news and notes, what you thought was the match of the week. I'm really excited. Oh, man, it was really good, too. Now, you can obviously see the direction, the change a little bit in Raw and SmackDown in terms of more backstage segments, a little bit more creativity and things like that, kind of going back to some old-style stuff with some enhanced sexuality, uh, with Alexa Bliss. Which I'm totally Mandy, cool with. Look, totally cool with that. A+. plus. Some of the creative, you know, vignettes backstage can be enhanced. By the way, I that's do all like Vince. Yes. Like, Vince is a total perv. Exactly. You can tell what's been, uh, you know, where his imprints are. Mm-hmm. I would say this, though. The thing that's the weakness of doing that is the herky-jerky nature where you got people kind of, you have like Rey Mysterio walking back in the backstage area, and then all of a sudden there's Nikki Cross just sta- standing there. So it's a little bit herky-jerky, a little bit unusual where you have Asuka and the man in the ring, and all of a sudden AJ Styles just walks out. So I know they're trying to do it a little bit in the name of unpredictability, but I think it can be enhanced, and we'll talk more about that. But I can't wait, dude. Raw was awesome. I liked it. I think it needs to be refined. I think that's the word. It needs to be refined a yes. little bit. But you're you're right. It's supposed to be a little bit more unpredictable. Supposed to be a little bit more, I guess, in your face. But there's got to be there's got to be some subtlety to it. You've got to you've got to smooth some of those rough edges out. I want to ask you this because mm-hmm. you would think the most direct line to improve the product is just improve the wrestling. Right. Look, I, you know what I mean. You would think, right? The entertainment can be enhanced slowly, but what the fans want is obviously similar to what they did with Finn Balor, and we'll talk all about that. But also. They gotta have a little bit more time. They gotta have a little bit more of what happened on NXT UK where the matches tell great stories. And sometimes maybe on television is not conducive for that. But I do think when you see a match like Rey Mysterio had this week, it's phenomenal. If you just can get the talent, I think, you know, maybe it can be fake or a storyline, but if you just give these guys maybe like a five thousand dollar bonus for match of the night. You know, similar to what the UFC does where, hey, if you have the best match, you get a big bonus on top of your appearance fee and things like that. I think if WWE even played it up as a fake bonus, like, hey, you're going to get ten grand if you go out there and rock the house and things like that. And we could also debate that and talk about that a little bit. I just think that these, these talent need motivation sometimes because, dude, it's, like I said, a grind. They're doing match after match. Sometimes it's like their fifth match of the week. Mm-hmm. And for guys like Finn Balor, sometimes, you know, you're going from London one, one night – 
taking a day off a Sunday, coming in on Raw, and then wrestling two times. How are you going to keep these guys fresh? I think some enhancements and motivation definitely could be utilized. But I thought the way Raw was done finally kind of did reflect the notion of, hey, fans first. This was one of the better Raws that we've had, not just in 2019, but probably the later half of 2018 as well. We opened Raw with Braun Strowman calling out Brock Lesnar and telling him he's going to get these hands, only to be interrupted by Baron Corbin. This leads to Braun chasing Corbin through the backstage and catering area. Elias is back there strumming his guitar, tips, tips him off that Corbin is hiding in Vince McMahon's limo. So, of course, Braun has to go do what Braun does, and he absolutely destroys the limo trying to get to Corbin. After busting out a window and, yes, ripping off a door to the vehicle, Vince shows up to inform Braun that he has been fined $100,000. On top of all that, Braun gets a little bit heated, and Vince says, you know what? We're going to remove you from your match with Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. Now, initially, I think both you and I thought that this was due to Braun not being medically cleared. We even tweeted that out on Monday. Uh, Turns out there was another reason for this. Vince wanted to move into a different direction. He wanted to move away from, uh, from Braun Strowman. He felt as though Braun Strowman has really cooled off since his crown jewel match. On top of that, he didn't want to beat Braun Strowman one more time especially so close together because you've already booked him into a hole and you've really killed a lot of his momentum. Why are you going to do it some more? So Vince felt that that Braun has cooled off. He wants to go in a different direction, wants to do something different, wants to try to save Braun Strowman's character and what momentum he has left. So that's the whole purpose behind uh, booking Finn Balor against Brock Lesnar. Uh, I think the thing that comes out of this with this information is Finn's going to lose at the Royal Rumble, yeah. which which totally sucks, which really, 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 really sucks. This is going to set up our main event, though, and that's going to be a fatal four-way between John Cena, Drew McIntyre, and Baron Corbin. Finn Balor has to fight for his spot versus Jinder Mahal later on in the night. He ends up holding on to that. He beats Jinder Mahal, and he gets his way into the fatal four-way. Moving on from this, Sasha Banks and Ronda Rousey, they end up defeating Tamina and Nia Jax. I think this was a good match. This really helped make Sasha Banks look strong. It really helped set up the match against Ronda Rousey at the Royal Rumble. So I think this is a thumbs-up match. I think this was a thumbs-up segment because Sasha really didn't get Ronda involved in any of this match. She took care of it all herself. On top of that, Ronda is is playing this character where she's kind of the, the humble champion right now. And as she's promoting herself and promoting her match with, with Sasha at the Royal Rumble... She says that she's going to feel really bad when she has to beat Sasha. And this just sets Sasha off. So Sasha comes off looking like a true OG in this entire segment. I thought this was well done and and finely crafted to help set up everything for the Royal Rumble. And I like the backstage talk too, kind of having uh, everybody kind of discuss uh, Natalia and Bailey, kind of going over it a little bit. So it adds fuel to the fire. And I do think it'll pay off. I think Sasha's the right person right now to feud with Ronda Rousey. And it might be a scenario in which maybe you don't have a finish. You maybe have Sasha maybe get DQ'd or you have something, maybe you, you kick off the next feud, uh, maybe with Bailey or somebody else where uh, they cost Sasha her opportunity. But because I think that she's been, you know, downgraded a little bit so mm-hmm. much in 2017, 2018 after her big rise that. That, uh, I, I just don't want to see her her heat continue to, to, to dwindle. They right. need to use her properly. And Sasha Banks could be a star. And uh, even maybe not this WrestleMania, but the next one can have a major program maybe with the likes of the boss or the man or anybody like that. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, the rival end up defeating Lucha House Party in what I'm going to deem a very average match. 
Uh, we do get to see Nikki Cross debut for Raw. This is the second time she's appeared on WWE television. Uh, she debuts with Bailey and Natalia when they beat the Riot Squad. Cross hits a huge neckbreaker. This leads to a big elbow from Bailey. Bailey secures the pin. I thought this was a solid match. I thought Nikki Cross came out looking very good in this. I thought she had a nice rub by working with Bailey and Natalia. I think this was a good setup to introduce her to the WWE universe. I, I guess the television universe. If you're not watching NXT, you probably have no idea who she is. I think you got a little glimpse at who she is. Yeah, I think the announcers did a good job of hyping her up as opposed to what they did with EC3 where he just gets a Absolute passing interview. Brutal. Yeah, in a, in, a, in a situation where that's not how you introduce EC3. Uh, on Thumbs Raw, down. On Raw and on SmackDown. That's not how you do it. It, it, was, it was put together so poorly. Very poorly. EC3, Lacey, was it Lacey Evans? Uh, war, no, not, not War Machine. Heavy Machinery. Mm-hmm. There, I think there's another one. Uh, Lars Sullivan, we've, we've not seen him at all. But... The way that they introduced these characters, I thought, was just absolutely poorly. Below were, average. Yeah, backstage segments where they just kind of the camera pans to them, sees them doing whatever it is that they're doing, and then it moves on. You have the announcer say, "Oh, that's EC3. Oh, that's Heavy Machinery." It's it, it just it, poorly done to introduce these brand new characters that we've been waiting over a month for. We've been waiting over a month. Do you realize that? Yeah, it's like they can't double down and go, you know what? We gave them a lot of airtime with their promos, you know, the vignette. Mm-hmm. It's like now we got to kind of slow it down a little bit and just have them in a quick segment. Where No, you could enhance it a little bit. You could just do another segment, yeah. another vignette. I mean, is it against the rules for EC3 to have his vignette in the hotel room and then have his vignette training? I mean, it's, it's, there's no problem with being a little bit creative and enhancing his uh, antici- the anticipation for him debuting. Exactly. But just to have it like that with an interview, especially – when uh, I want to talk to you about that too, because I did after Raw watch the Mean Gene special. The backstage announcers are below average compared to what the best could be. Yes. I think if they want to also improve, you got to have somebody similar to a Renee or somebody that's got a little bit of a personality. Just a chick holding a mic isn't productive, yeah. and I, I think it's becoming annoying. Where I, when I see him, I'm like, I'm not anticipating it. I don't like it. I don't like the questions and. It's it's basically a scenario when you've seen the best with like Mean Gene and Bobby Heenan and other guys that have done the interviews and then Renee and then you go to who I don't even know who the person is and you go it's it Kayla sucks or yeah, yeah I don't pay attention I have no idea it's like it very pretty face, it, but exactly brings nothing to the table exactly it, like a cardboard box it's a good looking cardboard box is what you have uh, we end up moving on to a very good match and we get a title change Dean Ambrose yes. was set to defend his title versus Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley this match was action-packed up until this point this was the absolute best thing on the show ambrose and rollins worked together early on to try to take out lashley they they realized that he was the the ultimate threat so they teamed up a little bit to try to take him down a peg rollins eventually gets going this is up until leo rush joins in and interjects himself in the match this leads to to lashley really taking over the match he made a, a big move and makes dean ambrose pay when he scoops up a win and now we have a new IC champ. That was surprising in quality. I was this it. a smart booking decision? I think so. Obviously, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, they their feud, obviously, everybody's talked about, has been underwhelming. And what did everybody say about Bobby Lashley? It's like, you debuted this monster, this guy that was known in Impact as a guy that was upper echelon. And then you kind of have him kind of become a jobber and an enhancement talent. And all you had to do was just continue his storyline from where he came from. And it's finally, they, they looked at Bobby Lashley and said, wow, we probably have way underutilized this big talent. Let's give him a manager, a valet, somebody that's really cool. And you got to also remember too, 
What's the purpose of a valet? To enhance the talent. And Leo Rush is great. I really like the way he, in which he's presenting information. Passionate, saying, look, this is the guy. This is a big dog in the industry. We're going to come out here and take what's ours. And it enhanced Bobby Lashley. And if you heard when he got the pin, one, two, three, the crowd popped. Yes. They were excited for it because of the fact that you know he hasn't been prominent and he's a guy that people know and he's believable with what he's been given and I'm really impressed with Bobby Lashley. All they had to do when they debuted him was show this character, this monster, this big dude that's aggressive and shine the light on him. Like, Why would you bring him in? And I think sometimes maybe what WWE does at a, at too much at a fault is they have to start someone slow. Mm-hmm. Like, If you're going to bring somebody in from an outside entity you probably should give him a push. Yes. And I know it's slow and things like that. You have other, you know, things going on. It's six months planned in advance. But a guy like Bobby Lashley, it shouldn't have taken, you know, six to eight months to realize this guy's a star. And let's highlight a it. Year. Yeah. You don't you don't need that long. It's like, okay, we got Bobby Lashley. This dude's a bad MFer. Let's highlight him. Boom. Get him into some storylines. Now he's the IC champ. He looks the part. And I think that it's a, a, a worthwhile endeavor to kind of highlight Bobby Lashley. You go, you'll make money on him. I think this was incredibly smart. Dean Ambrose's heel character really lost a lot of momentum when he started wearing the gas masks, started getting basically vaccinated. Yeah. It, 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 it just became really disjointed. They had something really special with everything that went on with with uh, Roman Reigns, yes, it, it was really really good for like two weeks, and then they just kind of crapped the bed with it. Dean Ambrose's character holding the IC belt, it, it just felt disjointed, and it was something that didn't need to happen. Now you take Bobby Lashley, who you have booked into oblivion, you give him a title, and you elevate him. Bobby Lashley could be, he really could be uh, a main event type talent, a yeah. main event heel if you book him properly. Now you give him a belt, and what that allows him to do is that now allows him to help elevate other guys in the mid-card because that's what the IC belt is there for. It's to help get guys in the mid-card yes, over. Yes. So now he can help elevate people, have really, really good matches. doesn't have to necessarily drop the strap, but can now have really good matches. On top of that, you just, you just put a face with that belt, and I, I think this works. This helps get Bobby Lashley over. It's going to help get other talent over, especially in the mid-card. I thought this was incredibly smart and a good way to do this. For months, all we asked was, hey, you know, they're part of the reason why Raw has been struggling is the mid-card talent isn't utilized yeah, properly. At all. And on this episode of Raw, two of the names that were definitely at the forefront of uh, people's uh, frustrations were elevated. And what, what else can you ask for? It was, right. co- it was cool. Really good. Bobby Lashley, you got the ball. Let's see what you do with it. Exactly. Uh, and what was really an awkward segment... We had Alexa Bliss announce and show off the new women's tag team titles. I'm not really sure what the segment was supposed to convey. I'm not sure what it was supposed to get over. It seemed really disjointed. However, I do want to discuss what the titles look like. Oh, Mind you, they're going to be awarded at the Elimination Chamber on, I believe, February 17th. So it gives a little bit more heat and a little bit more steam to the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. I really like these titles. I thought they, they looked great. I thought they did a really good job not taking what you have for the men's title and just transferring over for the women. You know, they, they did that with the with the Raw and SmackDown women championships. They basically took what Raw had, what SmackDown had, and they're like, cool, here, now let's make women's belts. There you go. They're like, I don't know, half the size, but it's the exact same thing. No, no. These are different. These look totally different. I love this. I thought this was awesome. 
Definitely. Uh, it does go to show you, too, that when these belts came off, you're like, wow, the other belts definitely need a little bit of an upgrade, too. And uh, it's important, too, because the belts are, are featured, they're showcased. So to have the WWE women's tag belts look like that, it's, it, it's great. It's uh, something that is new, fresh, and I think, we're, I think it was received very well by the fans when it was debuted. Just to describe them real quick, it's a, it's a white leather belt with accents of gold and silver, and they say tag team in the middle. Uh, I think they're awesome. I think I think they're really really great. Uh, they've got a a circular uh, front with basically two squares on the side. Uh, if you're trying to envision what this looks like, um, best bet go online, type in WWE Women's Tag Team Championship belts. They did a very very good job with. Now this. before the segment, I definitely like to see a little bit of that teasing with Alexa Bliss. Lucky, I think uh, when it happened, everybody on Twitter was like, "Damn, can I bring her some coffee?" Because <laughs> we would have been like, "Oh, let me help you." Bloop. <laughs> she's cute and she, she and, is and i think she's a good looking girl and i think and she's extremely athletic yes buddy now, murphy would kick your ass though okay that's I wanna, her husband i want to ask you this what thumbs up or thumbs down on the use of sexuality is it played out in 2019 to kind of do it this way because it was done but in a tasteful way it wasn't like she revealed a little bit too much it was you know her top was fully covered you didn't see no leg action or anything like that uh, a little bit more of the scintillation was on smackdown but, you know, it's 2019, this whole Me Too, but I do think tried and true sex sells. And when Alexa Bliss came out in her outfit, I'm not going to lie, I really didn't care what she was saying. She looked good. Mm-hmm. And her outfit was nice. I think it was tastefully done, but sexy at the same time. And I think if you keep it just like this and not too much more, then I think it's okay. But I think they're kind of crossing into that, well, that whole attitude era of bikini matches. And if, if the ratings continue to dip, would he use that card and have a valet that just be a sex pop? But I just like what they've done so far, kind of teasing sexuality in the show. I, some I, I don't want. I don't want bikini matches. I, I don't want. I wouldn't that. be opposed I, to it. I don't <laughs> want to go back to that. Okay. No, no, because the the women have have come so far. The women's matches sometimes are ten times better than any men's match that you'll get. There are times where you'll get a a really really good match depending on who's in that ring. I can tell you this: if Becky Lynch is going up against Charlotte, you know it's going to be an incredible match, and chances are that's better than anything else that you've seen on SmackDown. You know, on, on Raw, the talent's a little bit thinner, I think. You know, Ronda Rousey has the belt. She's good. Sasha Banks is very good. I'm expecting a very good match at the Royal Rumble. I mean, it's just what I'm expecting. I think it's going to I think it's going to carry weight, and I think it's going to be done well. Um, but no, I don't want to see bikini matches. However, sexuality, I have no problem with. I have absolutely zero problem with it. Thumbs up. So it, you just have to do it the right way, and, and it just can't be in your face all the time. It just has to be real subtle. It's one of those things where... It's like taking salt. You add too much salt to a dish, it's going to ruin the dish. You add just the right amount, it enhances the flavor. So just like salt, enhance the flavor a little bit. All right, now we go to our main event. And this was a jam-packed, crazy fatal four-way. Again, John Cena, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, and Finn Balor, who is now wrestling his second match of the night. Everybody got their stuff in. Everybody got to be showcased in this match, which was awesome. Baron Corbin grabs a chair. And he just starts laying dudes out. This is up until John Cena and Finn Balor basically team up and knock him out of the ring to the floor. And this is when Cena and Balor paired off. And this is where the rub happened. The champ put over Finn Balor. Can we do some fantasy booking real fast? John Cena put over. And I don't know what it is. John Cena has put over Becky Lynch, Irish. She has put over Finn Balor, Irish. John Cena's... 2019 resolution, I'm putting over everybody who's Irish. Yes. Apparently. (laughs) Seamus, you're next. 
He did a great job. I, I like the fact that John Cena's back. Obviously, this is a character that you could enhance. And when he first came out at the beginning of Raw, I was like, ah, Brock Lesnar, John Cena is not going to get me to pay attention a lot more. Did you like how he referenced ruthless aggression? I liked it. I liked it a I lot, liked too. It too. Exactly. And so it was good. Then they added the people. He needs to get a haircut, though. Yeah. All, outside of that, people have been starting to comment like, okay, you got John Cena. You could get more out of him. Okay, and so what did they do? Because, look, if you want to do some fantasy booking and you want to read between the lines, okay, he comes out and he, he kind of puts over Finn Balor. Okay, so now he's like, hey, you got my respect. Good. Now you fast forward to the Royal Rumble and you want to kick off the year solid and you want to enhance things. You know what? Uh, Brock Lesnar starts to take liberties a little bit with Finn Balor in the match. All of a sudden, you know, John Cena has to come out. And you think, great, John Cena is going to come out, help his boy Finn Balor get the title. Boom goes into the ring, destroys Finn Balor, finally turns heel, and you kick off the feud with John Cena and Finn Balor, and you can kick off the next four months of John Cena just messing with Finn Balor, saying, look, uh, you know, however you want to creatively uh, have them feud with finally, uh, whether it be WrestleMania, SummerSlam, you have the demon destroy John Cena, and you keep it moving. But I think it's time, because you got this character, John Cena. What's he doing? You, can, you can't have John Cena be like Bobby Lashley. You can't. He doesn't have to be one, but he can't be 15th. You can't, and I think putting John Cena finally as a heel, I think it's more open, it's fresh, it would shock the world at the Royal Rumble if John Cena destroys Finn Balor, and you keep the rub out on Finn Balor, and you kick off a feud there, because how are you going to have Brock Lesnar defeat Finn Balor and not piss everybody off? Do you give the belt to Finn Balor? I think you kick off another feud that enhances Finn Balor, and uh, that can just be the guy. And John we Cena. still keep the belt on Brock, though. Exactly. See, that's and then, the problem. That's but, the only thing I don't like about it. But at the same time, now you get John Cena some wins, some you know here and there, cost Finn Balor some things. But eventually, Finn Balor wins the feud, but with some wins with John Cena to keep the rub on him being heel. Yeah, but I think yeah. the next heel character has got to be John Cena. He would be perfect. Literally, like, look, he doesn't got to go out there and drop f bombs and be bad. But he's kind of, you know, he's got the ability to talk on the mic. He so does. just shift it to be a heel. Look, I mean. The the guy's 40, 41 years old almost. I mean, it's time. Turn him heel, and I think you will generate buzz like you've never seen almost as much as a, the debut of a new promotion. Turn John Cena heel, and I think you got yourself a promotion that I'm going to be turned into, especially if it's John Cena, Finn Balor. Oh, I would, I'd pay attention. I, I like where your head's at. You got you to be creative. You got to go outside the box a little bit here. Balor hits the coup de grace to, to punch his ticket to the Royal Rumble. He does it on John Cena after yeah. the match. John Cena puts him over even even further, uh, labeling, labeling himself as a Balor believer. Mm. This, I think, was the Don't absolute, need it. Yeah, you didn't yeah. need that, but I thought this was the absolute it's right good, decision. It's cool, it's this cool. was the best booking decision. Yeah. Now, overall, this, like I said, this was one of the best Raws in a long time. I enjoyed it. It, it was a little bit sloppy at times, felt a little bit disjointed, but it kept you intrigued. It kept you wanting to watch. This was one of the first times where I didn't have to go find something else to do. Exactly. It was good, enjoyable. It was talked about that Finn Balor was getting a push. They pushed Finn Balor, and great, great show. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Now, let's switch to SmackDown. SmackDown opens up with Becky Lynch. She heads to the ring. She cuts a promo on Asuka. All right, Asuka ends up coming to the ring. They go back and forth for a little bit. The Iconics come out and interrupt. Becky challenges one of them to a fight. Peyton Royce inevitably draws the short straw, and this was a pretty solid match. It went about 15 minutes. It probably could have saved us all some time and only went seven, maybe ten uh, Lynch ended up tapping out Royce. Asuka then gets in the ring and challenges Billy Kay. So forces her to submit really, really quickly with the Asuka lock. So you have a couple things going on here. Becky Lynch had to go the distance with Peyton Royce, while Asuka quickly submitted Billy Kay. 
All right. So it's keeping heat on Asuka. Becky Lynch didn't lose anything. It's helping to build Asuka up at this point. The one thing I can say, AJ Styles comes down at about the 29-minute mark. And thank God, because that saved that first 30 minutes. Because yes. it was not a good first 30 minutes. And I love Becky Lynch. Yeah. I absolutely love her. Exactly. This is no fault of her own. It, this this is just the way this was booked. It was not booked well. Exactly. It was not the hottest start to, to SmackDown. So AJ comes down, goes to the ring. From the ring, he goes up into the crowd. And into the crowd, he goes into the concourse. He ends up taking out Daniel Bryan. Hot dogs! That was cool. To be in the fans, kind of similar to what Daniel Bryan did last week. And there was a brawl, some action, and enhancement for their feud. Well done. Mandy Rose ends up sending Jimmy Uso her hotel key. We're going to circle back to this in a minute. She's basically playing everything up. She was talking to uh, Sonya Deville about how she wants to ruin Naomi's marriage because she wants to make her life a living hell. Like I said, we'll circle back to that in a little bit. Samoa Joe comes out. And, like, literally, <laughs> legitimately, he killed Mustafa Ali. Mustafa Ali's dead somewhere. He's in a grave. Killed him before the bell even rang. This match never got started. It was awesome. It, it was, was nice. awesome to see Samoa Joe just be the ruthless killer that he is. I felt bad for Mustafa Ali because when he went flying into that ring post, <laughs> like, legitimately, Joe picked him up and threw him. Like, like, like you were yeah. throwing a, a four-year-old. Yeah. Threw him into that ring post. Oof. It was brutal. It was brutal. Absolutely that, brutal. That's how you that's how you package Samoa Joe. That's what he needs to be. Absolutely. We then move on to what I think might be the best match this entire week. You had Rey Mysterio, Andrade Cien Almas. No. This is a rematch. Did you pay from attention? Last week. WWE backstage, they came out, and uh, I thought that the, when, when I earlier talked about the announcer, I'm like, wait a minute, did they just cut off his name? She said, we welcome Andrade. I'm like, huh, where's the rest of his name? And you saw his uh, graphic there. WWE changed Andrade's name. Yeah, they and do it, that. It's corny, but I, I liked Andrade C and Almas better. I did but too. Uh, I felt like the backstage segment was a little bit weak. But yeah, in talking about the match, Rey Mysterio and the new Andrade had a great match. There were a lot of high spots. Rey Mysterio uh, was awesome, and he held Dude, his there own. There was a hurricanrana off the ring yes, apron. Yes, yes. And both both Andrade and Rey both bounced on the floor. A wrestling match that was given time to tell a story, yes. and everybody wanted it, and it was awesome. And uh, Andrade is poised to have a big year, probably towards the tail end of the year. But Rey Mysterio, and I think if you listen to the announcers, did a good job. They're saying, look, he's not here just to you know be here and for nostalgia. He's here to make matches and make memories. And Rey Mysterio still is still got it. He is awesome, and I think a perfect addition to the roster. A guy like Rey Mysterio, when you have an experienced wrestler, can put over a bunch of the new cats. And this match, five star. I loved it. I loved it from start to finish. Yeah, this match was great. It, the big impactful move after big impactful move. You said it. I said it. match was incredible. Multiple near falls throughout it. It ends up leading to a, a DDT from the top rope from Almas, who gets the one, two, three. And it, I can't put this match over enough. On top of it, I, I think, remember how I talked about how adding salt to food yep. helps enhance the flavor? Yep. So you had Zelina Vega on the outside, and her reaction and her facial reactions to everything that happened in the ring and outside of the ring played a part of this. It really helped sell the story. It was so well done. This match was incredible. Jimmy Uso ends up going to Mandy Rose's room. Hey, She's hey. dressed very, very nicely. Seductively. Very, very nicely. All right. She ends up disrobing, and she's wearing basically this bra and panty set and quality. Impressive. Just quality. This was a total setup. She ends up having a photographer come out, take pictures of her and Jimmy. <laughs> that was funny. It was funny. He was like, what the hell are you yeah. doing here? Anyways, Jimmy says, hold on one second. Runs out the door, grabs Naomi, brings her in. 
Now, these two have a cat fight in the hotel room. It was good. In the end, uh, Mandy leaves a broken Naomi on the floor. I don't know if I'm really into this story like I thought it was going to be. I wanted this story to kind of build a little bit more. More, I wanted more, yeah. I wanted more salaciousness. I wanted more, oh, here's a pic of this, or, oh, here's this. I wanted little bits and pieces so I could put the story together. Instead, I felt like we rushed it. Exactly. Best way to put it, because you could use this manipulation a lot more. You know, fine. Okay, fine. They take the pictures. Then next week, you know, maybe a picture shows up in an email or something happens. or Something shows up on Jay's phone or or Jimmy's phone. A big blown up picture in the locker room Mm -hmm. and she has to question it and it goes back and forth and he has to deny it. And then they have a tag match where maybe uh, they lose the match and he questions like, wait a minute, did you really go all out there? Mm -hmm. And you you, you introduce some of the wrestling into it as well. Uh, Yeah, exactly. It did feel like they just culminated it real fast to get to their match, which likely is going to happen, what, Probably the Royal Rumble. Rumble or, yeah. Exactly. So you're exactly right. They did rush it. They could have gotten more out of that story. It just left a lot, a yes. lot to be desired because yes. you had something that could have been really, really awesome. Yes. Uh, so the Miz. Miz wants to celebrate Shane O'Mac's birthday. So the Miz is going to give Shane a pretty awesome birthday celebration. I thought this was well done. Uh, he ends up giving Shane a, a present. It's a set of Jordan 32s. Nice. As well as a really, really sweet video montage. I thought the video montage was awesome. And they always do a good job, WWE, with that. They do. Quality. The party was broke up by the bar. This leads to a match at 9.53. I was looking at the clock. Yeah, exactly. 9.53 p.m. I'm like, what are we doing? Exactly. All right, we only go to 10, so you've got seven minutes to get everything in. All right. So we've got a match between The Miz, who's in dress pants and dress shoes, versus Sheamus. All right, this match goes back and forth a little bit. Miz is kind of getting it taken to him. We get a little subtle distraction from Shane on the outside, who just threw Cesaro through a table into some cake because, of course, we've got to have a food match. There's got to be food on, on, on a wrestling show. Anyways, this is enough for Sheamus to get upset and to start yelling at Shane. This allows for The Miz to get a win by a roll-up. I know you love the roll-up. Uh, Sheamus ends up starting to lay the boots to The Miz after the the one two three is counted. Shane gets in, makes the save. Next thing you know, we've got Shane climbing the ropes for a coast-to-coast, all right? Shane hits the coast-to-coast, but I'm going to tell you this. He jacked himself up something royally. Exactly. He hit that match so hard. He popped up on one side of his body, and you could see, you could read his mouth. He was like, oh, my God. Like, he hurt himself something severe here. He he did himself no favors. The guy being a, a true stud after kind of shaking off the, the, the pain a little bit and trying to get his bearings back after all of this, he ends up no-selling the, the, the injury that he just sustained because legitimately, guys, I think he might have really hurt himself. He he was pretty banged up after this. Ends up no-selling it, gets in the ring, he's raising the, uh, the, the best-in-the-world trophy with the Miz. We end up fading to black. Now, I thought SmackDown was was good. I don't think this was their best performance. I think they had the match of the week, however. And I think that's what really saved this show. Because this is really close for me this week. If you wanted to say Raw was the better show, I won't fight you on it. If you want to say SmackDown was the better show, I won't fight you on it. I'm right in the middle right now. This is so hard to decide. Now, friend of the show, Adam, definitely left us a video and really discussed kind of his thought about it, too. And he's like, you know what, guys? Uh, You've been rating Raw a little bit worse than SmackDown week in and week out. And he's like, you know what? I'm starting to see it. But 
what have we all asked for on Raw? We've asked for enhanced uh, the enhancement of some of the mid-card talent. We want surprises. And so with that, I think start to finish, Raw was the better show. Um, you have AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. Yeah, you have them, you know, get physical and things like that. But in terms of an enhancing their feud, it could have been done a lot better. You had matches on SmackDown that kind of felt like just a little bit less than a really a TV show, kind of like a house show kind of feel and vibe to it. So I thought Raw won the week, and I think they're starting to turn the momentum. So I would give it to Raw. I'm fine with that. Like I said, I'm Raw wins the week, it. baby. Get back in it. This is like their first win in like 10 weeks. But match of the week, obviously, Rey Mysterio and Andrade. Obviously. Yes. It was the absolute best, hands down. Yes. You guys take some time. Watch it. Go watch this. Psychology and quality spots. This is what you want to see. You got it. If you're a fan of New Japan, you're going to love this. Mikey, I'm talking to you because I know you just found New Japan <laughs> last weekend. He was blowing my phone up this week. Putty, he's like, it. whoa, New Japan, yes. sweet. So he's different. He's a huge fan. different. It is different. So if you're a fan of New Japan, Go check this match out. It's the closest thing you're going to get. Hit me with this week's professional wrestling news and notes. Okay, so some quick news on AEW. Chris Jericho's deal with AEW is for three years, so he's not coming back to WWE anytime soon. Reportedly, it's worth more money than he's earned in WWE. Also, it allows him to work with New Japan. He wants to have a match with Tanahashi. He will be able to go to New Japan and work with them as well as work with AEW. Uh, AEW is offering different types of deals to different types of talent. Deal Deals range anywhere from three years only working with AEW to limited promotions like Chris Jericho has where he can bounce back and forth uh, for a specific term to three months to only single dates. So AEW is, depending on what you're trying to do and what you're looking to do and what they're looking to do with you, they have a contract for you. They're willing to... To, to negotiate and be flexible with the deal that they give and what the deal that you want. And I think what they're doing that's really solid is obviously they're delaying the announcement of the TV deal as it gets ironed out, but having Chris Jericho obviously is a plus. And what they're doing now is they're pushing the merch, which is really good. Get, yes. some, get some dollars in the coffer, they get some profits. really nice stuff. Yes, go check it out. But I do think that what they're trying to do now is kind of put some money in the coffers. They already have a brand establishment. People are talking about it, and it's just going to be the first six months of what they do eventually because right now the, the talent roster is thin. So it's going to be interesting to see how they kick this off because there's a lot of debate as to whether, you know, how are they going to relate to other organizations? What's the viability of this uh, entity? And I just think that right now what they're doing is is quality. Mm -hmm. A lot of social media engagement, a lot of buzz, and when they get to double or nothing, that'll be when the the, the critics like you and I and all their wrestling uh, people will decide, okay, are they going to just put themselves over? Are they going to actually establish new talent? Any more uh, WWE talent going to come over? I think that uh, a lot more will be made of AEW after double or nothing. I, I, I agree with you 100%. AEW has trademark Tuesday Night Dynamite. So it <laughs> sounds like they're going to have it's not a bad a, name. No, they sounds like they might have a Tuesday night show. Nice. All right. Which I, I think this is smart Dynamite. marketing. Tuesday night dynamite. This is smart marketing. Let me tell you why. So yeah. Monday, you Catchy. have Monday night, which is raw. Everybody knows it's raw. It's raw. Monday night raw is not going anywhere. Probably ever. All right. Smackdown is leaving Tuesday nights. That's yes. going to leave a huge vacant hole. It's going to go to Friday. Fill nights. it. You fill it. This is what is so bad about what impact does. Impacts yes. like, Oh, Cool. SmackDown's going to Friday nights. We'll go at 10 o'clock once they go off air, and we'll air our show on yeah. Friday nights at 10 to 11. That's dumb. Like that, That's so dumb. Yeah. You should have went to Tuesday. You should have owned Tuesday. Lock Tuesday up. You're already on a network that nobody has and nobody can watch. Now you're going to put it at a time that nobody cares about. It's bad. It's bad for business. But this is where AEW is smart. If they can secure Tuesday, you in your in your viewing habits, 
you have it down. If you're if you watch wrestling, you have it down that you watch wrestling Monday and Tuesday nights. SmackDown's leaving. You're still gonna have your viewing habits. You're still gonna want to watch wrestling. You can now watch AEW on Tuesday nights if that's what the TV deal is going to be. And by all accounts, that's what it looks like it's going to be. Have no no idea when they're gonna start televising, but it, it appears that they're trying for a Tuesday night program on either TNT, which is where Monday Night Nitro was. Uh, possibly TBS, uh, CW, and there was one other station. I can't nice. So get it, they, get they, they've it, got it, options. They have options get it, here. Get it. Uh, according to Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio, AEW representatives have reached out to CM Punk. Doesn't sound like he's interested in coming in wrestling. Mind you, he's also still under contract to UFC, so that kind of complicates things just a little bit. Trevor Lee. Trevor Lee has been a mainstay in Impact Wrestling. Uh, he's been there the last four years. He wrestles in their X division, which would translate over to 205 Live in WWE terms. He has signed with WWE. I'm not sure if he's going to go to NXT or if he's going to go right to 205 Live. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. Some injury updates. Rowan and Harper have been working out at the Performance Center, working off some rust, so we can expect to see them soon, as well as Fandango and Sin Cara. Also, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens should be back very, very soon. Sami Zayn was also at the Performance Center and Kevin Owens was tweeting out that he's going to be back soon-ish. That's what we got for this week's wrestling news and notes. Great podcast. Definitely want to put over those that support us. Check out the Breaking Down the Ring podcast. All their info can be found at BDRCast. They air live every single Wednesday, 9-15, on the Podcast Detroit platform. You can check out what they're doing live as well on the Periscope. So go check out Mikey and the crew at the Breaking Down the Ring Wrestling Podcast at BDRCast. And definitely check out Dennis Farrell at Dennis77Farrell. Go visit the website, the Wrestling Perspective Podcast. Dot com. That's WrestlingPerspectivePodcast.com. Him and Petey Williams do a great podcast, a lot of insight, a lot of great interviews and things like that. So Dennis and Petey Williams and the Wrestling Perspective always do a great job. That's at dennis 77 Farrell. Now, before we get out of here, I'm just going to play you a quick one minute of one of my favorite clips from the week. It's the event NXT TakeOver from the UK, and uh, there was a classic chance. We'll, we'll take it out of here with that. We'll see everybody next week on the Doc and Jock Wrestling Podcast. See everybody next time. But Coffee able to get up, and Coffee clubbing blow down. Here we go! In one left hand, dropped the champion. Coffee changed, changed direction, took out his mouthpiece, drive there with the hand. Coffee hoisting up, done and done, gets caught. Shoulders down, title's on the line, and a kick out by the champion. Mount Everest German suplex, oh my lord. The high angle that Pete Dunne landed. What else can these two superstars do? Joe Coffey looking at Pete Dunne. I love the English. Best part, Vince responded on Twitter. He said, yes, I was watching. Nice. Which is awesome. Wrestling, name of the game.